You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. Whoa. Wait a minute. Huh? Hold up. What? Oh, okay. Did we just lose the f***ing Canucks? You're listening to Halford and Bruff. point for Hughes, middle of the ice, long wrist shot, he scores! That's beyond embarrassing. Down low, Kuzmenko threw it up front, batted out of midair and in by Brock Besser. It's ridiculous, it really is. Pathetic. Towards the Sharks goal, cutting in, he scores! <laughs> He's already dead! Make that a three-on-one, Hughes, left wing, right circle, Hughes, shooter scores! Stop pummeling me! It's really painful! Good morning, Vancouver. 601 on a Friday. Sweet, sweet Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Brough. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintex Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes, Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Adog, good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Brough of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. I still can't believe we watched that last night. That was unbelievable. Uh, hour one of this program is brought to you by everythingfinancial.com. Financial freedom awaits. Book your introductory meeting today. Visit them online at everythingfinancial.com. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech footwear, and orthotics. Canada's favorite orthotics provider supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Really big show. Really big show on a Friday. This is the eve of a tremendous sports weekend. A big weekend at BC Place. Big weekend for all of your local sporting squadrons. We have so much to get into. It uh, begins at 6.30. Brady Henderson, our Seahawks insider from ESPN, is going to join us. Uh, there's been a lot that's gone on this week that we're going to get to talk to Brady about. The big trade for Leonard Williams, the big game on the weekend. Probably the Seahawks' most difficult uh, test this season. All due respect to that road game in Detroit from earlier in the year. But they got a big test in Baltimore. We'll talk to Brady about that at 6.30. 7.30. It's the Moj. Bob the Moj Marjanovic is going to join us on the program. Saturday, BC Place, Upper Bowl is open. It's the rematch of sorts between the BC Lions and the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, the, I believe the Lions are a six-and-a-half-point home favorite, a comfortable home favorite, despite the fact that Calgary beat them in that meaningless season finale. Talk to Moj about that at 7.30. 8 o'clock, Rick Dollywall. Uh, our Canucks, we're not allowed to call him an insider, so just a Canucks dude, I suppose. Uh, Donnie and Dolly Check TV, he's going to join us in the wake of Vancouver's 10-1. You did not hear me incorrectly. 10-1 victory over the San Jose Sharks in San Jose last night. Uh, also today, we're giving away a final pair of KISS tickets. KISS is going to be at Rogers on Wednesday, November 8th. Uh, if you want those, you can send a What We Learned or an Ask Us Anything. Hashtag it WWL or AUA, and we'll stick with the music note emoji for these ones. It's just easier, okay? Uh, I did mention it to Ask Us Anything Friday. Uh, keep that on the books as well. I forgot to mention, I'm going to do it now. Our playnow.com NFL Locks of the Week kicks off for real later in the show. I'm very excited about that because you very quietly and sneakily have had a good year with Locks of the Week. Yeah, yeah. I'm basically a savant. And I just ruined it. Yeah. That's the show. That's what's happening. I'm very excited. Uh, Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. 
Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. At 5.59 this morning, Frosty the Snow Thrower texted into the program. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Frosty. I hope you're all doing well today. Um, What was that? That's a very good question, Frosty. <laughs> I am still actually trying to comprehend what I witnessed last night. The Vancouver Canucks went into San Jose and beat the San Jose Sharks in a regular season NHL hockey match 10 to 1. And you know what? It still wasn't the most remarkable game of the season for me. The most remarkable game of the season for me was when they beat the Oilers 8-1. I am having a hard time just trying to process <laughs> winning a regular season game 10-1. A1 seemed like a blow. There was times in the A1 game where I'm like, take your foot off the gas, boys. You're playing with fire here. This mm. is karma at its worst. They well, the, 10 to 1 do you know against who, the San Jose Sharks last night. Here's a, little, here's a little trivia for you last night. Okay. Who was the high-minute man for ice time? Sam Lafferty. Ian Cole. I am. Yeah, it could have been anybody. Who was the high-minute man for forwards? Sam Lafferty. Pew Suter. <laughs> right? Like, they did take their foot off the gas. They absolutely did. Pedersen played, like, 14 minutes a night. He didn't touch the ice after Beauvillier made it 10 nothing. Did yeah. not. He had three shifts in the third period. He was in a hammock for the last five minutes of the Can game. Can I admit something? Yes. I didn't watch the third. That's fine. I was like... <laughs> really? Yeah. Why? I'd Why? seen enough. Not a wow. true fan. You Not didn't need fan. to watch, I didn't watch the, the second. Third. I didn't watch the third. It was over. The game was over. <laughs> the Canucks the scored their first two shots of the, of the game. game. That game was over like, after 10 minutes. Yeah. Like, it was It was an absolute beatdown. Like, and, and if you look at the Canucks right now, I mean, did they have a good start? Hashtag the start. Amazing. Because their first 10 games are over, right? 10 games, that's the start. Right, nobody can be like. I still need to see more for the start. Right, I still need to see more for the rest of the season. I was but going with the first twelve games, we're just debating over good. which t- win you like better—the ten one or the eight one. So I think it's going pretty good. This, uh, yeah, I like the five nothing one too. Uh, they are seven two and one with a goal differential of plus twenty four. Nobody in the NHL has a goal differential that high. Vegas, who haven't lost in regulation yet, ten zero oh, and one. They're plus 19, the Bruins plus 16, the Canucks plus 24. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people will say, yeah, yeah, it's against the Sharks. I'm like, other teams have played the Sharks. They haven't beaten them 10-1. Someone took them to overtime. I can't remember which one, but that's sad. I want to say that over the last 30 years, we've seen some very good offensive eras in Canucks hockey, right? The West Coast Express era, one of the most prolific offensive lines in the NHL at the time. We had the Sedin era, right? Both of them were major award winners uh, competing for our roster. So we've seen good, talented, explosive offenses mm-hmm. from the Vancouver Canucks. You have to go back 30-plus years to find the last time the Canucks scored 10 goals in a regular season. We have to go all the way back to 92. And that game, 11-0 against the Calgary Flames. Oh, I remember nice that game. Well. I remember that game like it was yesterday. It, it was awesome. They had three different players score two goals that night. Trevor Linden, Gary Volk, Sergio Mamesto had a pair as well. Mm-hmm. That's how long he you have to go it. back. 
I, I was watching last night, and there was a certain point where every time a shot went on net, I was like, there's a good chance that's going in. <laughs> and I don't want to be the guy to diminish any of this by pointing out how atrocious a hockey team San Jose is. Mm-hmm. But very briefly, San Jose is an absolutely atrocious hockey team. They are terrible, but let's not take away from the Canucks. The goal that uh, Old McKayev scored the goal, but Petey made the move at the blue line. It was fairly early in the second period, actually. And Petey kind of, I don't even know how to describe it, like carried it into the zone and then passed it to Carson Soucy, who made a really nice pass Mm -hmm. to uh, McKayev to finish it off. I mean, that was basically, I was like... uh, is this the Harlem Globetrotters version of hockey right now? Because they are beaten up on the poor Washington Generals. It was, it was, it was, it was, an, it was a really, really fun night when- for the Vancouver Canucks and their fans. And I imagine it was a tough night for the 700 people that showed up to watch the Sharks last night. Uh, it was listed at over 10,000, which is that's some a of, lie. Some that's of the most lie. creative bookkeeping I've ever seen in my you. life. Yeah. Um, Quinn Hughes. Finishes with five points, matching a franchise high for points in a single game from a defenseman. I'll try and run through all of this. JT Miller, Brock Besser, and Elias Pettersson each had three points. Uh, Anthony Beauvillier, in his 500th NHL game, got off the schneid as well. Got a couple goals in there. And all of a sudden, he goes from having a slow start to the season to having a fantastic run late in hashtag the start. Yes, Greg? It was also Anthony Duclair's 500th game. (laughs) Was it? He yeah. probably didn't get as many accolades. No, as they didn't. They didn't love him after the game like they did with. Um, but so I'm, and I'm sitting there and I'm watching this and I'm like, okay. At a certain point in a blowout, and everyone's seen one, you kind of reach that uh, breaking point where either it goes haywire because the other team's pissed off, or it drops off because it's like, well, this is kind of like a beer league game. This is almost <laughs> shinny. Let's just not get hurt out here. This one didn't really have that because the Canucks just kind of kept playing without putting you know their foot on the pedal and like kicking it into an extra gear. They just kept playing and doing the things that they're supposed to be doing and going through everything that Rick Tockett wants them to do. Pucks just kept going in. Mm-hmm. It was a combination of not great goaltending from San Jose, not great defending in horrific, front of the goal, horrific defending, just and horrific. and to add, with especially in the case of the Lafferty wraparound goal, probably the worst bounces imaginable. Like there, it was the rare instance where a horrible team had nothing go right, and a good team had everything go right. Again, you do not see teams get out to ten nothing leads mm-hmm. with a considerable amount of time left in the third period in the NHL. Very, and I do want to just, I want to play. God, poor David Quinn. Do you think? Uh, do you think Nico Sturm after the game was like? That was a bad penalty I took that uh, kind of put the boys off balance. <laughs> or do you say, you know what? The other nine goals also kind of. Oh, no, he was up. responsible for two of them. Oh, that's true. He was. Yeah. Okay. Um, also. Because it was over after that. So they, they, it was obviously a forlorn Sharks room after that game. And apparently Tom, Tomas Hurdle was visibly distraught mm. because that's, he said it. It's the it's worst like, loss I've ever thank suffered. God, I'm rich. Right. There's that. He's got his money. Playing like for the crying all. with your money, meme. <laughs> um, so let's hear from da- David Quinn's a good guy. We had him on the show during the summer when we did our national show, and like no one would pick up our calls. David Quinn was like, I'll come on your show, sure, great guy. He knows what he was getting into when he took the job, and he when he talked with us, he knew what he was getting into this season because it seemed like Eric Carlson was gone at that point, he hadn't officially been traded yet. Uh, we'll hear now 
from David Quinn in the aftermath of a 10-1 loss, which was the Sharks' 10th consecutive loss to start the season. David Quinn, head coach in San Jose. Coach, what are your thoughts on the first goal? Oh, you. Uh, what about the sixth goal? Ugh. And the tenth one? God, choking on my own rage here. I know oh, you guys had something special. That was David Quinn. <laughs> yeah, it was. Interesting. Let's hear more. Pretty sure it was. Let's hear more from Mo Sislak here uh, following a 10-1 loss to the Vancouver Canucks. Well, I actually thought after that we did some decent things. You could, you know, we, we weren't getting overwhelmed. We had some chances. We were in the O zone, and then they get the third one, and then they get the fourth one, and it's just, you know, it just steamrolled. It just snowballed. I mean, that's really what happened, and... You know, we kill a penalty, come off, and puck goes in, off of Mario skating in the back of the net. I mean, it's just, you know, everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong tonight, but we deserved it because we didn't play like a team tonight. Uh, they play with an awful lot of confidence. There's a lot of trust uh, while they're out there. Um, you know, they play fast. You know, obviously, they're off to a great start. Talk's done a hell of a job with that group, and they got a lot of good players. So, is, he, is, he, is, he, is he talking about the Canucks? Yeah, we had to cut the long-winded question out in between there. No, no, no. Come on. What? Stick with me. No, I can't I can't even the play things along. That he, the things that he's saying are they play with a lot of confidence out there, a lot of trust. They play fast. So is, the re- he, is he talking about the, the Vancouver Canucks? See, the reason that I'm not playing along with your gag is because is yesterday on this same show... We re- I read the excerpt from the Pierre Lebrun piece where he went and talked to all the other coaches that have gone up against the Canucks this year. And I was like, Paul Maurice is being complimentary of them. Andrew Burnett. John Cooper. Like, John Cooper coaches a Stanley Cup winning team twice over. They all love Talkit. They all love Talkit. That's a very Speaking good of point with all of this. Scott from Langley texts in, after what we saw in the preseason, the common thought was scoring would be a challenge in this structured game from Talkit. <laughs> yeah. How many times did Halford talk about low event hockey? I got that right. You were talking about it like two games ago. <laughs> well, I look at everything fit the narrative about when he said how they wanted to play and then the proof of concept from when he was in like Arizona. But this is not low event hockey, I'll tell you how, that. How, how many of you out there, I know there are going to be some people like, oh, I always had faith in the team that they'd be this good. How many of you out there right now are pleasantly shocked <laughs> by what you're seeing. <laughs> Come on, man. You have to. Pleasantly shocked. You know there's some people who are like, I knew this was going to happen, right? Just because they're idiots. But, like, I I am flabbergasted by the first 10 games of the season. I knew it would be, you know, I didn't think they would do what they did last year. I didn't think they were going to collapse. But what? think of the games we've seen this year. They've had one bad one. One really bad one mm-hmm. in Philadelphia. But since then, and before then, really, they beat the Edmonton Oilers 8-1. to one. Uh, They absolutely dominated St. Louis that one night. One of their losses in overtime was was a BS loss anyway. Mm-hmm. I love hearing these Rangers, hey, we swept, we swept Canada. I was like, yeah, with some help. You know, it is what, what this team is doing and what... First of all, playing as a team and you're hearing uh, other head coaches saying like, yeah, they're playing really structured. They're playing with a lot of trust, but also the individual performances we're seeing. Mm-hmm. I remember coming into this season and going like, come on, guys, like we can't expect Quinn Hughes to be much better. Like he's been much better. He's been the best defenseman in the NHL. Yes, right? I would agree He's with that. been in the best. So far, it's 10 games. It's not the season, but 
He's been the best defenseman. He scored five points in 18 minutes last night. Yeah, they, they so you're conceding this now because I asked this question in the chat. Like, is Quinn Hughes the best defenseman in the For NHL? For the first 10 games of this current season, Thus Quinn far. Hughes has been the best defenseman in the NHL. Uh, what Pedersen is doing, and I don't think he's been fully healthy the whole time, yeah. is ridiculous. Um, their top two centers are playing unbelievable hockey. Elias Pedersen and JT Miller. I loved seeing Pew Suter get rewarded with a goal yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even on the goal that he scored, he made a terrific defensive play. Andre Kuzmenko has he started slow, but I think ever since McKeev has been on back on that line, he showed some like his goal yesterday. I don't know if anyone noticed, but like he knocked a guy off the puck, yeah, right before he got it. So he actually made like a physical play. Um, now, granted, it did look rather easy to knock the San Jose Shock Sharks <laughs> off the puck yesterday. Like I, I, you don't see many games like that in the NHL. But first ten games, I, I'm sure it's not going to be like this the whole season. But no, it will what, be. what they've well, done. That's what I wonder because I keep waiting to get hurt. And if every single win, I'm getting a little more like they're going to go through adversity. Is this they're going to go good? through adversity? They're going to have injuries, right? They're going to things are going to go wrong. They're not going to get the bounces. There's some good teams in the NHL. You know what? Who they're going to play on Saturday? Dallas. Dallas is a very structured team. That's a veteran team that's used to winning. They went into Calgary. They beat the Flames. They went into Edmonton. They beat the Oilers. Uh, that's going to be a tough one for the Canucks. But I think what's so encouraging and so um, pleasing to me is like (laughs) we've had certain level of expectations for the Canucks before and they haven't even been super high and they have like badly missed those expectations right now what they're doing was we were like do you remember the beginning of the season we were like if they can be NHL 500 by the by the end of their first 10 games would you take that and everyone was like yeah I take that because it would mean the season isn't over Mm mm-hmm Right, like we had such a low bar for hashtag the start, and they have blown it out of the water. So Cam from Delta writes in uh, uh, early morning text Dunbar number text line six fifty six fifty. Get get yours in. We're going to be doing uh, take a giveaway later in the show. Cam writes, "Why is it so hard for you to believe some people believed in this team? You guys had the negative narrative." off from contending, but have obviously stated they believe in this core. Cam. What Jason is asking, and I think it's a totally legitimate query, is how shocked are you, not by the fact that they're having success or that there was justified belief in this team. It's the level of success. This is one of the best starts in the entire NHL. The Canucks are the highest scoring team in the NHL through 10 games. They have 46 goals scored. There are five teams in the last 30 years of professional hockey, brackets NHL version, that have scored that many goals through 10 games. No, I did not expect them to have a historical mark through the 10-game plateau. Nobody did. <laughs> and if you do, you are a liar. You are a big, bloody liar because nobody could have seen this coming. Elias Pettersson is second in NHL scoring. Quinn Hughes is fourth. JT Miller is sixth. Again, this is the same group of guys that went 0-5-2 to start last season. So no, nobody saw this coming. Nobody predicted it. Even if you had the utmost belief in this team, you did not have them as the best offensive juggernaut in the NHL through 10 games. 
This is that's why when I came in this morning and said I'm having a hard time really analyzing and trying to contextualize what's happened here because it is so far off the map. Mm-hmm. I did at the very least. I thought, well, maybe they'll get five or six wins to start the season in the first ten, but they'll probably really have to grind their way out. I did not expect them to beat Edmonton eight one and San Jose ten one to bookend. The first 10 games of the season, by the way, which is crazy. Yeah, the inbox is funny. It's like people right now are <laughs> trying to pick fights and arguments just because we can't rip the Canucks. Like Gord texting, and you guys do realize it was the Sharks last night, the worst team in the league. I'm like, oh, yeah, has everyone beaten them 10-1? Has everyone dominated them to that perspective? No. And what about the 8-1 win over the Oilers? You cannot what about tell the, the st- 5-0 win over the St. Louis Blues? You right? cannot like, tell the story of last night's game without pointing out how bad San Jose is. I know. It's, it's impossible. It, I, I, but it, can you tell the story without pointing out how good the Canucks were? Yeah, but you have to, you have to at least have some cursory mention of how bad San Jose is. Because, again, there were a lot of people that had no skin in the game, neutral NHL observers, national pundits, who looked at that. And, and rightly so, their takeaway was, oh, my God, they lost 10-1 at home. Here's a text. For their 10th loss in a row. Here's a text uh, to uh, in response to Cam from Delta. Uh, it's like watching a guy try to start a 100-meter dash and having him literally fall on his face three <laughs> races in a row. And then the fourth time, he wins the race. Yeah. It is, right? Yeah. Sets a world record in the process. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's like the same guy that was falling. The, I always the knew other, he'd win that fourth race, though. Yeah. The, the, the other three, yeah, because management liked what they did to his legs or something like that. Yeah. Like, the, the first three races was like, uh, does this guy know how to run? Not only be in a 100-meter race, but know the basics of running. Let's flash back to last season when Rick Tockett was holding practices where he was literally blowing the whistle Every five seconds and going, is everyone in the right position? And then they would make a pass and Rick Tockett would blow the whistle and go, is everyone in the right position? Like he was teaching this hockey team how to play defense like he had never heard the word before. Mm-hmm. This was a low, low, you, put, you said low bar earlier. It was a low bar for this team, Right. Last year at the start, it was so disheartening. And I think we really embodied that on the show on a game-by-game basis, realizing that, one, this team wasn't going to be able to compete, and two, there was going to be a long season ahead, right? When you're sunk after the first 10 games, you you look at the schedule like, we got months of this to go in 70-plus games. This is totally different, and it's such a treat to watch because there's a real sense of optimism here. Like, I'm looking at that game on Saturday against Dallas, and I'm like, hey, bruv, you always talk about big games. Mm-hmm. Now, I know it's early in the season, and some people will argue that you can't have a big game this early in the season, but that's a top of the Western Conference clash between the Canucks and Stars, and it feels awesome to say that, mm-hmm. that you get to see two of the best teams in the West go toe-to-toe on Hockey Night in Canada on a Saturday night. Like That's great. Those are the things we were looking forward to that we didn't get last year. Uh Let's talk about the rest of the show. We got Brady Henderson coming up uh, next. We'll talk about the Seahawks big game in Baltimore. Moj at 7.30 to preview the BC Lions big game at BC Place this weekend. Uh, Dollywall at 8 o'clock is going to join us, and he's going to give us more on uh, the Canucks working to make trades. They're going to say they're working the phones big time, right? Like how big? Like big, big time, big time. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Canucks are in a position right now 
where they've made so many calls around the league that everyone knows what they're willing to do and everyone knows that they want to do something. But I know we've, we're hearing it more and more. And why would the Canucks want to give up any sweeteners in any trades? Like, let's try Let's say they're trying to still trying to trade Garland, right? Um, <laughs> they're not desperate right now. No, they're not in desperate. Such posi- a nice position, feeling to be in. Right? Not they're desperate. Like, all right, fine. We'll keep them. Yeah. Whatever. Things are going well, right? Like this Mark Friedman guy's coming. He's been all right. Mm-hmm. Tyler Myers has figured it out a little bit. Myers was like plus four last night. He's played some pretty good games in a row. Yep. That has to be said. So they're not quite as desperate as they were. He might just be like, you know, what? we'll wait to the trade deadline it's- when we're when we're when we're loading up. Um, but so we'll talk to Rick Dollywall about that the issues i mean the roster issues still remain with the canucks i'm sure they would still like to get another defenseman or even two in there but right now it's it's nice it's nice to be in this position of like okay whatever just keep rolling we're cap compliant doesn't really matter you're listening to the best of halford and bruff you're listening to the best of halford and bruff Rick Dollywall. Rick Dollywall. It's time for 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 Dolly. Rick Dollywall. It's time for Rick Dollywall. Rick Dollywall. It's time for Dolly. Rick Dollywall. It's time for Rick Dollywall. Rick Dollywall. 8.02 on a Friday. I love the 8 o'clock hour on a Friday. For a multitude of reasons. One, it's Rick Dollywall time. Love Rick Dollywall. Two, we're getting that much closer to the end of the week. And three, this always sets up as a delicious appetizer for the final half hour of the week, which is Ask Us Anythings and What We Learns. By the way, uh, we are giving away a pair of tickets to see Kiss on Wednesday. Last time we're doing it this week. If you want to go, two tickets to see Kiss on Wednesday, November 8th at Rogers Arena. Uh, you still got a chance. Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. Send in a what we learned or an ask us anything. Hashtag WWL or AUA. Put a music note emoji into the text and make it a good one. You could win a pair of tickets to see Kiss on Wednesday. That's right. Kiss. Uh, it is hour three of the program. Halford and Bruff in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find a perfect fit at kintec.net. To the phone lines we go. From the Donnie and Dolly show on Check TV, it is now. Now, time for Rick Dollywall here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Rick? How are you? I uh, couldn't be happy, uh, better. It's Friday. You nailed it, uh, Halford. It's Friday, but I'm disappointed in you guys. Oh. I get in my car yesterday at 630 and uh, turn on the radio. No Halford and Bruff. 
Yeah, we had technical difficulties. Um, sometimes we just block out your specific radio, but in that case, I, uh, it wasn't the case. I was waiting for Green Day, time of your life. No, we couldn't even get that out there. I think the part... <laughs> <laughs> we were trying Another our best. station blown to smithereens. Yeah, I think the technical difficulty was that it was raining outside. Mm-hmm. That yeah. ended up being the problem. So once we get that solved... We weren't able to predict the rain. So. We'll be yeah. back. We're going to build a dome. Listen, uh, you guys are... Hold on a second. You're okay. a big part of my community. So yesterday, I didn't know what to do. You know what I did? I went to 92.9 KISM Bellingham, best wow. rock station. You know, I got my ACDC, Stones, Bon Jovi, ZZ Top, John Cougar, uh, Springsteen. I didn't miss you guys that much. But get uh, you're back on the rails today. That's good. Thanks for promoting another radio station while you're doing a radio hit. It's not the Lower Mainland, so it's, uh, you know, it, hey, Kiss, uh, the KISM was big oh, in the boy. 80s. Uh, I've been a huge fan ever since. Okay. Uh, so I was going to ask you a question about the Canucks, but now I feel like I have no steam left, but I'm still going to ask it. Uh, the Canucks, after 10 games, Rick, get a load of this. 7-2-1 with a plus 24 goal differential. I know we all expected some semblance of improvement from the Canucks this season, but on a scale of 1-10, to 10, how surprised are you by this start? Big time. Halford nailed it this morning when he said nobody would have predicted the Canucks uh, would be 7-2-1 at the 10-game mark. And if you did predict this, you're, you're, you're lying. That's exactly what Halford said this morning, and he's correct. Remember the sky was falling after their preseason loss to the Flames, 10 nothing. They couldn't score in the preseason. It was an issue. But what a 10-game stretch. So much to like the offense, the goals against, the goal differential. The core of Pedersen, Hughes, Demko, and Besser, to me, the core is always your drafted guys, right? Mm-hmm. These guys have been unreal. They're not kids anymore. You know, Demko's 27, Besser's 26, Pedersen and Hughes 24. What you're seeing is the maturity and the growth of these four players. You can't discount Miller. Like, since the day he got here, he's done nothing but produce. They've got difference makers at all the important positions. Uh, and uh, you know what? And, and, and Donnie was on this yesterday, too, the coaching. I can't say enough about Tockett right now, guys. He's a teacher. 24-7, he's thinking of ways to make this team better. It won't let them get complacent. He's taken years of bad habits out of a lot of the players who have been here long-term, makes them accountable. So I, I talked to a pro scout uh, last night about the Canucks because I always like talking to people in hockey not from Vancouver to get a read on the Canucks. This is what he had to say. They are way better positionally than last year at both ends of the, of the rink. They work together as five-man units. Their skilled players are tops in the leagues. There's not many better than Pedersen right now. Hughes is better than I thought he would ever be from his draft year. His skating and the way he gets away from defenders, second to none. Demko's a top-five goalie. If they play like this all year, they're going to make noise, but they have to stay healthy and stay away from losing streaks. It's a long season, but guys... The hockey world's impressed. Mm-hmm. It's only 10 games. It's a long season, I know, but this is a dream start for a team that's missed the playoffs in seven of the last years. Enjoy it. So the other thing we were discussing this morning is how if you're Patrick Alvin, you're not in a desperate situation to make yeah. a trade. Like, it's all like, if I want to do that, I can do that. Because imagine if the Canucks had gotten off to a bad start. And everyone's focusing on the defense. Maybe Connor Garland is just like waste of cap space out there. Then they're like, you better do something. You like, you got to fix this thing right now. 
even if Alvin and Rutherford want to clear cap space right now, there's yep. no need for them to throw any sweeteners in any in any of the deals, and they can just afford to be like, all right, well, we'll just wait on it because we're we're going pretty well right now. What are you hearing about the Canucks' um, activities in trying to make a trade? Last two or three last two three years, they've been chasing after October. They get into November and they're chasing. They're not chasing anymore. You make a really good point. They're in a better position this November. This has been the best heading into November in the last two, three, four years. So what I was told on Tuesday morning is the Canucks were one of the more aggressive teams out there trying to make moves. They're trying to add. They believe in this team. They like what they are seeing. So why not try and get ahead of the trades? But here's the problem the Canucks have. You know, they don't have much cap space. Trades are tough to make right now. You're not seeing a ton of them in the NHL right now for a reason. They've been looking for a defenseman for a long time, but the trades right now are tough. I'm all for adding guys, but they are not strong enough organizationally with depth to give away top prospects. Not yet. Lakaramaki's off to a fabulous start. The Buscavage kid is leading the OHL as a defenseman, for crying out loud, 26 points in 14 games. Our Steve Baines leads the American League in scoring. The prospect pool is finally starting to get better after years and years of trading first and second round picks. Hang on to those prospects. Don't cough them up. And the evidence that they don't want to add a sweetener, broth is in the Connor Garland situation. He's still not moved. Mm-hmm. He's still not moving. You know why he's not moved? Because they're not putting a sweetener in. They're not adding a high draft pick. They're not adding a top prospect, and they're not retaining a ton of money. They clearly don't want to retain a large amount of money, and that's why Garland is still not traded. If the Canucks couldn't move Garland for over a year uh, year and a half, what's an agent going to do? The the agent can't broker a deal until the team is willing to cough up a high draft pick, a good prospect, or at least 35 to 40% money retention, and the Canucks are not willing to do that. That's why Garland sits and waits, because they're not willing to get away. And as far as I'm concerned, it's the right move. Did you hear Pedersen after the last home game when he was talking with Kate Pedersen in the post-game interview, and he said, it's fun to play here now. Did you think, did you, did you, he didn't say it quite like that. He's like, it's fun to play here now, which resonated. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. And I'm going to tell you something else right now. The greatest thing about this start is capital letters. If, if this continues to the end of the season, the decision for Patterson to resign will be much easier. He wants to wait. He told everybody he wants to wait. That's his call. He's earned that right. But if Patterson gets over a hundred points again, He's clearly on his way, guys. He's What is he, one point yeah. behind Jack Hughes, right? The good news for him and his agents, J.P. Barry and Papperson, by waiting and collecting another 100 points, he's going to put himself obviously in a very good position for a new contract. But I think the greatest thing about October is that Patterson has to be thinking, hey, hold it, did we turn the corner? Okay. But one of the uh, scenarios, one of the uh, reasons – he didn't sign in the summer is because he wasn't really sold on should it be a long-term or should it be a short-term. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something he's going to have to sit down with and decide with himself. But this start, and if it continues, bodes well for Mr. Pedersen uh, re-signing in Vancouver, if it continues. Uh, Brock Besser has eight goals already in 10 oh. games. Of course, he scored four in his first game, uh, which helps his total. But he's got... 
he's got purpose to his game now. Oh, and I think last year, you know, like you were just watched him sometimes and he just didn't seem engaged in the game. And maybe that was off-ice stuff. Maybe that was frustration with on-ice stuff. But um, I guess it's a pretty good decision that, or maybe the Canucks just weren't able to trade Brock Besser, but it's looking pretty good that they kept him. You know, the decision... Uh uh, to do, do you know we're almost at the one year anniversary uh, anniversary sorry of Besser and his agent getting involved for a trade? I think it was in November last year. Uh, if I'm not uh, if I'm correct, we are almost at the one year anniversary of his agent Ben Hankinson last year getting uh, just like Garland's agent and Rathbone's agent getting permission to seek a trade. I can't think of a player in this market that's gone through as much as Brock has and to see him do as well. He's just a really good kid, good person off the ice. Um, I can't think of another guy Canuck fans can cheer for more than Brock Besser. Every time he scores, you see the smile on his face. Um, I can't think of another person that you want to cheer for more than Brock Besser after everything. Just think about it, guys. It was a year ago. He basically wanted out. He was on a third line last year with Dries as a centerman. You remember the cancer fights night? Uh, cancer for uh, fight, fights night was, and he it was on a Saturday, and he got healthy, scratched. All that stuff happened in November last year, and to think where he is now. But again, I got to go back to talking. And when he told all these guys in their exit meetings, you got to change the way you play. He's got Brock Besser forechecking. He's got Brock Besser playing better along the boards. He's got Brock Besser in better shape. New, he got a new trainer. All this. I go back to Talkit is 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 shifting the culture, and he's shifting it with the top players, and that is massive. Isn't it isn't it fun to like look forward to the games coming up yeah. as opposed to going like how many of these are left? Saturday you got the Dallas Stars coming in. Monday well, it's the Edmonton Oilers coming in and then they go back east to play Ottawa, Toronto and Montreal and then when they come home Bo Horvat and the New York Islanders are in town. So like every game has a hook to it right now and it is just encouraging to see. <laughs> Listen, we we get uh, Taylor ripping uh, ripping me in the background. Listen, we get ripped in the media for being negative. I wish some of these fans that call us negative would come sit in our shoes. It's been twelve years of bleep hockey, you know. And you guys get it, we get it. You think we don't want to cover a winning team? Of course we do. Of Bad teams do. are awful for business. They're awful, awful for business. Awful for business. All, and people don't realize the ones that call us negative. Like the, the, the even Taylor's taking his positivity pills. Where he was raving about Alvin yesterday. You know, uh, so we we would like to cover a team that goes deep in the playoffs. You know, 2011, was anybody complaining about the Vancouver media? No. You know, they were winning President's Trophies at that time. Sedins were atop the scoring uh, list. Everybody was happy in town, including the media, the fans, everybody. You're right. Rough. It's good for business when they win. It makes it makes our shows better, and 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 that's what we're looking forward to. Is I'm looking forward to the Dallas game, but I'm, I'm going to tell you something else. This weekend, I'm looking forward to the Whitecaps and Lions too. Yeah. Did it's you know, and I, I I I just I'm happy for this city. The Lions, Whitecaps, and and the Canucks have been crap for about ten years, and this weekend, all three of their games are going to be must watch. TV, all three of them. 
Mm-hmm. And the lines in the white caps opening up, uh, the, the upper deck is going to be unbelievable. It's it's going to be. A, I think the lines are trending towards thirty thousand. Halford, I don't know if you got a white caps uh, ticket update, but I uh, we had who do we have on yesterday? Oh, Farhan. He said close to thirty, if not thirty, a little bit over thirty. They're going to hit over. And, uh, you know, I don't know, Halford, if you got a Whitecaps update on their tickets, but these are going to be some pretty big crowds. Well, they, they announced two days ago that they are going to open the Upper Bowl. I think they're still working on the finalized pricing for those tickets. I, I did. Is it of- on TV, regular TV? Uh, Normal TV or is it Apple? It's an Apple game, if I'm okay. not mistaken. I'll have to yeah. double check on that one. But um, the I think the objective is to try and get 30,000, much like you would see the day prior, because that's what the Lions are ultimately going to end up hitting here. And I think the pricing might come into play here because I think they might try and do like a f- family-friendly style pricing. I mean, the idea would be back-to-back games, back-to-back days at BC Place, get 30-plus in the building. That would be a great weekend for Vancouver sports. And the, the Whitecaps, I, I'm sorry, but they got to get rid of this Apple stuff. I, I, you know, they need to be on TSN or Sportsnet, and it's, it's, it. I think it's a, it's, I, I think it hurts the franchise. Like I did not watch their uh, uh, game in LA last week because I, I, I don't want to hook it up. I don't want to uh, go through the. I want to turn on my TV and turn the game on. I don't know why they don't understand that. Like I don't know, I, I don't understand. But I think it might be on they, TSN, but like I have to double check that. And I think the point is like the fact that we have to double check to see which game like which like tv station the game is on you know that's not great no, it, I, I, the Lions are on TV. The Canucks are on TV. Everyone's. A, I mean, the, we grew up in an era where we only had, uh, back in the BC TV days, only a game of the week for the Canucks, for mm-hmm. crying out loud. And now every game should be on television. It should be. And and, and how much we pay for TSN and Sportsnet per month, uh, you know what? We deserve the, the Whitecaps games to be on, especially the playoff games. And I, I think it just hurts the franchise. Uh, Taylor and I bought our tickets prop for the Lions game. So we'll be in the stands with the blue-collar fans, not in the suite this time. Oh wow! So, uh, You're mixing yeah, with the blue be, collar. Uh, okay, uh, right. blue, that's where the blue collar fans. The, 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 we're not in a suite. We're not. Uh, although he should be in a suite after the Hall of Fame stuff. But we're going to be in the stands uh, for the Lions game. And I still say, if they don't blow that Winnipeg game, which they did, uh, they, 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 if they would have hosted the Western oh, Final, man. I'm, I'm still, telling you, still they would have got over forty thousand in there. Yeah. They blew it. They blew that Winnipeg game, and they're paying the price. Rick, enjoy the games this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun, television or no. Yeah. Anyways, Taylor's yelling at me. i got to go talk to you later, guys. Bye. Bye. Rick Dollywall, Canucks reporter from the Donnie and Dolly Show on Czech TV here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. It's always a roller coaster. with That's his nickname, Roller Coaster Rick. It's always a roller coaster with Dollywall on a Friday. So uh, I want to play some audio because if you're looking at the uh, NHL teams in Canada right now, you go to Edmonton, they're struggling. They lost to Dallas last night. People thought, oh, maybe that big win outdoors at the Heritage Classic is going to get the Edmonton Oilers rolling. Nope, they lost their next game. Calgary, who lost that game in the Heritage Classic, look awful. They're one of the worst teams in the NHL right now. Winnipeg, so-so. So-so start to the season. Uh, Ottawa, they got problems. <laughs> organizationally, and on the ice, they've been, what, 500 around there? They lost to L.A. last night at home. Montreal, um, they're rebuilding. Not not huge expectations for Montreal this season. They're having and, a good year, but they are rebuilding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, have, they had a good start, I think, last season, too, and then reality um, showed up for the Montreal Canadiens. And then the Toronto Maple Leafs, they got issues right now. I know their record is still okay, 
Uh, it's not as good as the Canucks, but it's still okay. But there's a lot of people looking at that team and going, man, you got to re-sign Nylander and he's your best player right now. But at the same time, you need help on defense. Some of the new guys like Bertuzzi and Domi haven't been very good. Ryan Reeves has been, I don't know, pointless. Just like not even like getting points. Like there's no point to him right, right now. He's literally pointless. So that leaves, uh, that leaves the Vancouver Canucks. And here's what Elliot Freeman had to say about those guys. This segment is called the Vancouver Canucks, Canada's best team. Oh my goodness! Okay, look, I, I they they pouted San Jose on on Thursday night. I, I'm thinking about this right now. It, it's not Calgary. It's not Edmonton right now who lost again. It's not Winnipeg. Uh, it's not Toronto. It's not Ottawa. It's not Montreal. And not only are do they look like Canada's best team right now, but they're the only team where their best players are carrying them every night. You could say there's a little bit of that going around in Toronto because if Matthews and Marner don't score, they don't score. But when you look at the record they have and the way and the way they're winning games, at every position, their best players are their best players every night. So I now proclaim them the Vancouver Canucks, Canada's best team so i do remember when this happened before and it was during the bubble okay when uh the canucks were the last canadian team standing because that was the year that uh winnipeg went out to calgary and then calgary went out to dallas yep edmonton went out to chicago yeah remember that and toronto went out to columbus in the qualifying round. That was the quintuple overtime game, if I'm not mistaken, that series. That was like a terrible loss for the Leafs. So people were talking about the ascendant Canucks at that point, and that's because they had guys like, you know, Quinn Hughes, Elias Pettersson, Bo Horvat was playing really well. He's still with the team. Um, JT Miller's first year with the Canucks, was it? Right. So people were talking about, you know, you always have this debate, who is the most likely Canadian team to break the Stanley Cup drought? And for just a, just a short time in that crazy pandemic era, <laughs> the Canucks, people were high on the Canucks. They were a team and then, on the grow. And then we all know what happened after that. Things did not go well. Things kind of went to hell. Mm-hmm. But right now, people are looking at this team and going, and I think that's the key part. What what Fridge is talking about, like their best players are their are are playing like their best players. There isn't anyone that's like, wow, this guy isn't really doing all that much, right? If you think about who their best players are supposed to be, Hughes, Pedersen, Miller, those would be the, th- the first three in terms of skaters. Are they playing well? Yeah, they're playing unbelievable. Thatcher Demko, and then their secondary players as well, right? Like a Brock Besser. Or Mikheyev or Horonic. Like those guys are playing really well. In addition to that, even Kuzmenko, who I thought struggled a bit to start the season, his game is rounding into form. And I think what was good last night is that the players like Pew Suter and Anthony Bovillier, like they got in on the fun too. Mm-hmm. Right? And well, I know Bovillier it was a blowout. Got off the Schneid too. Yeah. Time. Well, Suter did too. Yeah. That was his first goal, and he made a really good defensive play to kick off that rush where he did score. 
So right now, man, like everything is going so well for the Canucks that you start thinking like, okay, well, how are they going to deal with adversity? Because adversity is going to come, right? They, they have, they've had, let's all admit, let's all just admit right now, they've had a few good bounces. They've had things go their way. They haven't any any serious injuries to deal with, really. Mm-hmm. Like Mikheyev, they missed Mikheyev at the beginning of the season, but he's come back now. So they will go through adversity, and they will be tested, and I want to see them tested. They already passed the first test of adversity, and that was the Philly game. right? They played awful, and we were all sitting there going, like, oh, my God, that those, those Edmonton games were just a mirage. The Canucks are back, right? And then they actually lost their next game, dropped them to 2-2, two and two, although they played better. But after that Philly game, there's been this improvement from the team and there's been this belief. Now, things are going to challenge that belief. There will be things that go wrong. And I'm going to be really curious to see how they deal with that because that is the sign of a mature team. And we've seen over the last few years when things have gone wrong for this group, they've kind of gone into a like, oh, things are never going to get better. Like, when is the season over? I mean, the fan base has acted like that too. So will we see a resilient team? Um, I think the word would be mature, where you just like, you accept, yeah, things are going to go wrong. It's a long season. It's life. How are we going to deal with it? Uh, It is what we learn time coming up, but I've got the perfect what we learn as an exclamation point on what you just said. Mike in Burnaby, hashtag WWO, what we learned. Mike has learned that he's still scared, but he thinks he's ready to be hurt again. That's the best part of all of this, isn't it? You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff.